Resurrection by G.K. Chesterton The week in which these words occur has been dedicated by our old historic culture to the idea of resurrection. It has a hundred historical aspects, not the least being that of the comparison with other historic cultures. In our father's time, and fading only very slowly in our own, there was a curious conspiracy of the commonplace, which called itself among other names by the name of comparative religion. It consisted mainly of the idea that men who had no religion were the only men who could compare the religious merits of all religions. We need not debate that point here, but the application of the same negative principle to almost anything else, such as an ear for music or an experiment in science, would rather rapidly reveal its difficulties. Let us agree, for the sake of argument, that the man who is outside all religions is really the same man who is inside all religions. But even the man outside all religions might be asked to observe the obvious differences that stick out on the outside. And one fact which sticks out like a spike as huge as a Matterhorn is the fact that the Christianity which created Christendom did definitely declare that its religious founder, unlike the other religious founders, had risen materially from the dead. In face of that, which is not a comparison but a contrast, it is idle to say that this or that ideal or ethical maxim may be found in countless scriptures and philosophies. Nobody ever said that Confucius rose from the dead, and nobody would have been more legitimately annoyed at the notion than Confucius. Buddha may have believed that men returned in other forms by way of reincarnation, but he distinctly discouraged them from doing even that, if they could help it. Muhammad may have been caught up to heaven, but he never returned to earth. Muhammad never, for that matter, promised any of the progressive ideals of modern optimism, any more than the physical return of the dead. He never asked men to look for a paradise on earth, though he may have offered them a rather earthly paradise in heaven. Buddha never offered them positive happiness in life, but only rather a negative happiness through the negation of this life. The paradox of Christendom remains unique in that it does promise a new fulfillment of life, but only by an actual reversal of the fact of death. It begins with a material miracle and ends with a new hope of material order and security. It believes that life can be reconstituted because death has been defeated. An atheism, which is an accident, really a recent political accident, not only starting with the French encyclopedists of the 18th century and not long to survive the much stupider Russian atheists of the 20th, has made some muddled association between doubt and democratic hopes, or between denial and social reform. It was merely a complication in a corner, and is flatly contradicted by nearly all history and humanity, and especially by the majestic creeds and cults of mankind. So far from skepticism producing social activity, it is truer to say that skepticism, when combined with stoicism, produced every social duty, did really make an agnostic civilization. For ages it has been remarkable for its spirit of order, but not even a lunatic would say it was remarkable for its spirit of reform. Buddhism may be admired by some as a sort of atheism, certainly it has at most an impersonal god and an impersonal immortality, but it was an atheism expressed almost entirely in asceticism, and nobody would have the imprudence to pretend that it was expressed especially in practical politics. Mr. Wells said rather patronizingly that Buddha, as a philosopher, was quite in accord with modern ideas, but I doubt if Mr. Wells would find Buddha as a politician very active in the promotion of his modern utopias. The general fact about humanity has been that, the more religion was simplified to a negation, the more practical politics were reduced almost to nothing. And the place where history has really been full of revolutions has been the place when theology has been stiff with dogmas, above all that standing dogma of the resurrection. 
In our civilization, cities and realms do really rise again, not merely when they have been defeated, but when they have been dead, not merely when they have been at their weakest or their worst, but when they have ceased to be. Everywhere else, in the normal heathen life of humanity, there is either continuity or else complete disappearance. Nobody needs to restore a temple to Buddha in Burma, because it has always been used by the Burmese, but nobody hopes to restore a temple to Moloch in Carthage, because Moloch has disappeared in Carthage too. Where men still worship the gods of Asia, these cults are continuous if sometimes a little mechanical, like that of the last pagan gods of Europe. But no people worship the gods of the Assyrians, and it is now impossible to imagine any people wanting to. But in Christendom, there is an endless revival of human things, and even of heathen things. We do not believe that there are any lost causes. We do not admit that there are any hopeless loyalties, and we should come back to our religion at last, if its temples were as deserted as Stonehenge. If this splendor of the hopeless hope, sometimes called the forlorn hope, which has made the peculiar chivalry of Christendom, which has given to us alone the true idea of romance, for the real romance was a combination of fidelity to the quest as a task, with perpetual and enormous inequality to the task. And if anyone wishes to know what is really rooted in our religion, and typical of our culture, he will find it in those late flowers and fruits which have quite recently grown upon trees that were counted utterly stricken and dead through the long winters of recent centuries. He will see it in a flash if he thinks that for one moment of how short a time separates the Irish Free State from the Irish Famine. And when I went to Poland and heard again the National March of the Poles, I told them that through these words I heard words that were old, when all our songs were new, and shall be new when all our songs are old. I am the resurrection and the life.